Welcome, everybody, to the Just So You Know podcast. This is episode number five. I am John Levesque, and I am joined today by the amazing Kent Weir. And uh, we are here to talk to you about tech, entrepreneurship, startup, uh, consumer, and uh, just, just a general state of technology. We, we pick various topics every week from all over the board, whatever sounds interesting to us, whatever is current. We try and stay fresh, and, uh, and we bring you... The Just So You Know podcast, J-S-Y-K. I'm the J, he's the K, and Just So You Know, it's all in the middle. All right, let's go ahead and kick off today's episode. Uh, Kent, go ahead and why don't, you, why don't you share the news item with us. Uh, you recently wrote an article about a new Amazon service that is helping common folk build robots. Well, yeah, more so. <laughs> more so. Uh, yeah, more so. So, yeah, a recent InfoQ article I wrote was uh, about Amazon. And as much as I love Microsoft, this was actually some pretty cool stuff. So uh, I got to give them credit for that. But it's a new service called AWS RoboMaker. And it's essentially a service for building intelligent robotic applications. So when I first read this story, I thought, okay, this is going to be about like robotic process automation rpa so we've talked about that before we did right, right. you know some of that intelligent automation stuff in some of our presentations but no no that's not this at all it's actually around building real robots and actually having those robots connect to cloud-based services to make them more intelligent so what aws did is they built extensions and i didn't know that this exists because i'm not too much into to robots but yeah. there is an open source operating system for robots called the robot operating system or ross okay. and so what they've done is they've ross built sounds on, cooler I think. yeah totally yeah. Uh, so they've built on top of ross and they've built these extensions that allow you to plug in to amazon services okay. now in terms of the services you connect to um, it's a lot of these cognitive services, like for no surprise, right? So Amazon Lex, which is speech recognition, Amazon Polly, which is text-to-speech generation, uh, Amazon Kinesis Video Streams, which is securely streaming video for analytics and machine learning, okay. um, Amazon Recognition, so image and video analysis, so kind of like the cognitive services stuff we did, like hot dog, not hot dog, and then Amazon CloudWatch, which is logging and monitoring. Okay. So the idea is that, so some use cases could be, you will actually talk to a robot and the robot will understand what you're saying. So, so all these services sound like they're all for the robot's brain. Totally. Yeah, very right? much so. Okay. Okay. So it's still mostly all programming, right? It's not really, this is about, uh, about creating the mindset of the robot, the understanding of the robot rather than the physicality, the shell. Yes, absolutely. Yes, okay, totally. okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very much a software thing. Got it. Uh, and the idea is that you then would embed this software into your physical, um, you know, robot itself, whether it's like one of those dogs, um, Actually, they, they those showcase... are scary. I know they are. That, that's, those are yeah. scary. Man. <laughs> yeah, that's Boston nasty. Dynamics, man. They're pretty yeah. evil stuff. But actually, in this article, they talk about um, how they're working with NASA and how NASA has open sourced the Mars rover, and actually, they're using these services as well. Does that so? So hold on, we got to just pause. The Mars rover. That's 
that sounds kind of scary. Like, you know, some crazy hacker is working on like reverse engineering some of this shit right now so you can hack the Mars rover. I, I don't know. Like, it, there's a link. It's in the article where you can go to the repository to grab it. I don't know if there's like some elements that might be proprietary, but huh. uh, both organizations seem pretty committed to open sourcing a lot of this tech. I mean, don't uh, get me wrong. I think it's awesome. I like the the idea of open source is amazing. I just feel like, yo, the Mars rover. I know there's some bro in his basement, like just working away, like I'm gonna hack that thing. Well, maybe. Uh, who knows? I guess uh, maybe there's someone that's figuring out how to make it more secure too. I don't know. They're but, probably, uh, you know what? There's probably more of them. Actually, you're probably right. And then another cool part of this whole platform is simulation. So in the past, like. What they want you to do is essentially build your software first before you you pick out your hardware and then basically go ahead and test it. And so what they have is like these worlds. So it's like almost like I know you're a big like AR, VR kind of guy. So it's kind of like that where you would be able to take some of their existing um, worlds that they call them. So like, um, for example, where there's a retail store or it could be a home and actually take advantage of of these uh, a racetrack so you can actually build these simulators out um, and see how things are going to respond um, through the simulation the other thing is you can run these configurations in parallel uh, which allows you to run thousands of hours of simulation in a single hour so their big thing is they've taken something which presumably is very complex which i fully appreciate and they're truly democratizing it and lowering that barrier of entry. They say they want teams up and running in minutes as opposed to hours or days with like the traditional approaches of getting everything set up to build these things. That's so incredible. it is pretty cool. I was pretty impressed. Uh, it was something that they they did talk about at their uh, recent uh, reInvent conference in, I think it was in November, okay. uh, their version of Ignite. And ah. uh, so yeah, like it was uh, so it's something that's fairly new and it's available now. And you can also manage all of your robots through their IoT platform. So much like Azure has IoT Hub and basically you can manage devices through that whole IoT platform, they've got something called Greengrass, which allows you to do something similar. So you can upload software, uh, patch, update, and then harden as well so other people can't hack your robot as well. You can start messing around with some robots, Ken? I don't. I. I'd love to. I just don't have the time. I just got too should, many other things. You should go. build yourself a robot that helps you at work, man. Well, hey, maybe I. I, I am putzing around a little bit with Alexa. Uh, so that's okay. something. Uh, I've been reading a book. I haven't dug super deep into it. So I, I'm still intrigued in terms of what a person could do with Alexa. Yeah. Uh, so that's sort of, in uh, you know, what limited spare time I have. That's something. Uh, I'm not too much of a hardware guy, so I, okay. I don't envision building any dogs. <laughs> you'll never know. <laughs> a little BB-8? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, well, let's talk about this. So so with a lot of this new AI and robotic technology and things like this coming along, um, I think one of the common themes we hear a lot about is, like, how is it going to change work? How is it going to change my job? How is it going to change jobs for other people are machines and AI and robots going to take jobs away. 
And uh, and so I recently, you actually sent me this article um, from Richard Branson uh, about Richard Branson talking about how he thinks the nine to five workday will go away, right? How how the way that we work now will will not be how we work in the future, and uh, and I think you know what he says makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think, you know, here are a couple quotes out of it that stood out to me, right? He says, the idea of working five days a week with two-day weekends and a few weeks of holiday each year has become ingrained in society. But it wasn't always the case, and it won't be in the future. He wrote this on his blog. It's because technology will change jobs currently held by humans. As Google's Larry Page and others have said, the amount of jobs available for people is going to decrease as technology progresses. New innovations will drive industries forward, but they'll also reduce our reliance on people power. Ideas such as driverless cars and more advanced drones are becoming a reality, and machines will be used for more and more jobs in the future. Even pilotless planes will become the reality in the not-too-distant future. I think that's like that. that makes a lot of sense, right? Because... I think driving driverless cars, I can't wait for that. How many morons on the road there are who just have no idea what they're doing or aren't paying attention at all? Imagine if all the cars could communicate and knew where each other had to go. We could all travel at 60 miles an hour, be bumper to bumper, and it wouldn't matter because the cars all know that there's a slowdown coming two miles ahead and can adjust their speed accordingly, right? There's so many things that become possible it's like, do I need an Uber driver? I don't really think so. But at the same time, though, it does create an interesting dilemma around work. Totally. Totally. You know? Well, it, yeah, it's just the social side of things, right? So it's one of those things where the rich, I'm sure, will be okay. Um, As always, the rich prosper. Yeah, whereas uh, <laughs> some some other folks will likely not have those same opportunities. Like I, I do believe we will move to this place where people can make money off their assets. So for example, the driverless car, like what would stop you from, like I fully expect that you'll be able to own a car and it'll drop you off at work and then it'll go drive other people around while you're at work and then it'll come back and pick you up at the end of the day. And collect um, so, money hopefully. Yeah, well exactly. And like right. it'll be metered and you'll be able to actually sort of recoup the costs and actually make some money from your asset. Uh, right. Same thing with like some of this uh, like uh, renewable technology where maybe you have solar panels on your roof and you're generating more electricity and someone else is consuming, uh, needs to consume from you. So you actually get micropayments for that. Like I, I firmly believe in this whole like micropayment and I think some of it will probably get implemented through blockchain, but that's another show. But I do feel like for people that can buy in to those types of paradigms, we'll actually be able to make money from all of these robots and uh, driverless vehicles. But I really yeah. feel like there'll be people that are left out. And I think that's like Bill Gates talks about that a lot, where it's like, yeah. okay, but what about these other people? Like, are we now as a society going to create social safety nets to basically up level people? Sure. I struggle with some countries. In, uh, in America doing it? No way. Yeah. No way. Like yes. today the mentality is like, oh, I earned everything I have and you should too. And if you can't, well, you should die. <laughs> right? Because like, yes. because it, the, the American way is like, don't take mine. Right? Like, and, and it's, 
So, so in the, the article actually goes on and it says unemployment rates will be about the same in 20 years, which I think is not I don't realistic. know how. I don't right. Know how. It's, not, it's not realistic. And if, if governments and businesses are clever, the advance of technology could really be a positive for all the people all over the world. Yeah. But that then puts the, the pressure on the corporations to do the right thing. And in the world we live yeah. in, I don't really see the corporations doing the right thing almost anywhere, right? There are very few examples of that. Totally. Because I believe it was Bill Gates has talked about this before where he feels that robots should be taxed. And the idea is that some of that tax would then be able to be redistributed through some of these safety programs. But I agree with you. I'm not sure that that would be a universal sentiment for some of these mega corporations who are very focused on the bottom line right. and returning shareholder returns exactly exactly right, right? so the right. rich get rich like they'll be fine the people that have bought in and are you know reaping the benefits of this but it's i i just concerned about some of the the uh, other parts of the society that don't have those opportunities so i, I want to come back to that I want to, I think the social part of this is, it wasn't my intention to get into. I think the technology was really more what we wanted to focus on and, and the work week changing. But I do, I do think there's, there's one thing I want to say, but I want to finish the article. It says, Branson believes more people will be able to have what he has. I'm lucky in being able to work wherever I am at any time, and I don't see work and play as separate. It's all just living. I think this will be the case for more and more people in the future to the benefit of businesses, countries, and individuals. So <clears throat> I think that if that could happen, that's excellent. I actually feel that that's a lot of, I feel that way about my job. I feel like a lot of my, like it's all work, it's all life, it's it's all just living for me. And I think my role requires that, right? I'm, I'm somewhat of... The, a personality and I'm meant to be out there and <clears throat> and so also communication and interaction is is a massive part of what I do and so it becomes interesting when I try and separate those things because the people that I interact with um, it's it's my job to do that but also those are my friends right and so it's I think that I actually it's working that way for me but now to kind of bring it back around I don't think it's gonna. it can be that way for everyone. I think there always has to be worker bees. And not everyone is intelligent enough to work in a self-starting, value-driven position. Yeah, I would agree. It's, it's, you know, not that they can't. It's just people are motivated differently. And I think for some people... It's no, like I think the, some people can't, too. Right. I think they're just... Their capacity is not... They're not a self-starter. They're not motivated. And they're not going to be. Right, there's just those people. Who, Everyone's who, different, yeah. Yeah, and and those people, though, you know what they're great at doing? Getting a list of things to do and accomplishing that list that someone else came up with. Right, and and so those people, what are they going to do? Because those people today, those are our McDonald's workers. Those are our 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 gas station attendants. Those are the people that make our food at restaurants and. And like a lot of those people, not to say all, don't have any aspirations, but a lot of those people are there because their aspirations were not at the level of people who are in higher places who, who went after it. 
Now, obviously, there is environment and nature, and people will argue all kinds of things that, you know, can lead to someone having less opportunity than another. Now, I'm speaking about the person, right? My personal decisions and what is in my control. Um, I think we just, you have to understand that we have a decision coming. Technology will displace the workforce. But will we as like, for us, I speak Americans, will we as Americans get to a place where we say we care more about the value of life or more about profit? And, and if we care more about the value of life, we'll have to create social systems that take care of people that can't take care of themselves because their work, their, their opportunities have been displaced by machinery and AI. Right. And education is so unaffordable that that they can't even approach that and so then it's like we get to this place where it's like okay so we have two options do we become a country that has a massive homeless population in shanty towns or do we create an economy that works for everybody and i think that and i think that I'm hungry, Kent. What's for dinner, man? <laughs> oh, looks like it's uh, some Mexican food. So yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So I think that you know it, it's a it's more of a social thing, right? The the technology end of it is one piece where this is great and and making advances and cutting costs and all of that is is fantastic. But at some point we're where does it end, right? What amount of the workforce displaces? And, and everyone talks about, you know, when there's, there's two sides to this. There's the, the empathetic side that says we have to take care of everyone. And then there's the other side that says, oh, you know, those jobs will change and they'll get retrained. And, and, and yet I just, I'm skeptical, right? Because everything we see today points to the corporations doing the wrong thing, never taking care of the worker and instead always returning everything to the shareholder. And so it's a, it's a grisly thing. I'm, it's, it, it might sound pessimistic, and I'm usually an optimist, but it's, a, it's like a damn. That's, it's a great thing to see technology come so far and, and be possible to do so much. And also, it's a really shitty thing because it really limits the possibilities of the next generation of people um, who no longer get to provide service at a basic level who who are forced to up level their being or starve and and i think that you know you just have to understand that not everyone is able to do that and not everyone has the opportunity to do that and so it's a i think it's you know the what what i meant to to be a technology talk here has kind of turned social but i think it's really interesting right and it's something that we're going to come face to face with well and i think what is interesting is that like so I've heard this argument a few times just around like automation and what it's done to the workforce. And like, if you go back to like the sixties, there used to be, or even seventies, there was like elevator attendants apparently. Right. And so they would, they would like sit outside the elevator and actually press the buttons for you. Right. right. And then so sort of things evolved and emerged and said like, okay, that's no longer required. Like people right. trust elevators. They figured out how to use them. And right. this whole idea is that there's always been, sort of new jobs for people to go to. Um, so people always had like that next thing, but it is one of those things where um, the level of magnitude, the order of magnitude was never that much that like the jobs completely disappeared. 
Right. An elevator attendant could also go and fix something else or learn some other simple task to do. Sure. Right. As opposed to like, okay, now like the computers can think um, like a human and can be more accurate and more precise and they don't have benefits and they don't have like prescriptions and they don't need vacation and they don't need to go to their kids' assemblies and like sporting events. And, and actually one of them is like seven humans' brains. Totally. Right? Right? Well, like, I, can, I can buy one of these and pay for it once. Or I can deal with all this shit and pay continuously. Totally. Right? And it's like, you have to consider the human element at some point. Totally. And I think that's where Gates was coming with some level of attacks. But I don't know if that'll ever happen. But, uh, it, it like, somehow you have to support the population or you're going to have complete mutiny. Um, or the, the, essentially, people, like, society won't be able to evolve themselves. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the uprising, right? The people would then resent the machines and it would be uprising. Sure. That'd be crazy. See it already. See it already sometimes, right? When uh, maybe it's like a, a plant, like a manufacturing plant, and there's like some sort of labor thing going on, and all of a sudden, like, hey, people are unhappy, so they start breaking machines um, so that like the, the corporation really feels it. Yeah. Uh, like those things happen today. It's just, imagine going forward right like it's that's that situation's not getting better that's crazy to think about yeah you know uh bill gates had a quote in the article too um let me pull it back up really fast it was a good one he said uh let me find him again Says we can. Uh, so Bill Gates kind of had a positive spin on it. He said we we can certainly look forward to the idea that vacations will be longer at some point, because the purpose of humanity is not just to sit behind a counter and sell things. More free time would not always be a terrible thing. And I think you know that there are. I like their optimistic approach that like it's going to serve us all. I think that Bill Gates is someone that I would actually put some stock in who would build some things that would serve more people. Um, but, you know, our Amazon friends, uh, Mr. Bezos, I definitely don't I don't have the same <laughs> confidence. <laughs> no, I, I don't either. And yeah. uh, obviously there's some of those mega corporations in the U.S. where I struggle to think that uh, they'd be signing up for this either. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right, Kent. I... Uh, it's time for our complaint department, and uh, and I have a serious complaint today, and it is about the Ford Motor Company. Oh, one of those big corporations. Yeah, yeah, one of those big caring <laughs> places, right? <laughs> Who really care about me as their customer? You know, yeah. you can tell I, I'm feeling it this week, um, and I also I'm gonna go ahead and throw my local place bickford ford under the bus as well okay so uh so i have a a car that i bought from bickford ford a 2016 ford explorer xlt the the turbo eco like like nice one right black on black really nice nice. yeah Yeah, well i also purchased an extended warranty for it okay because i felt like ford's warranty was shit at 36,000 miles or three years. Ah, and yeah, I was like, that's, that's just 
not adequate, right? So yeah, give me the 100,000 mile warranty. Well, I, I got the car and at 37,000 miles, my right front brake caliper died, just decided to randomly give out and die and freak out. And it had to be removed and replaced. And, uh, and so that was my first issue. Well, guess what? They said, oh, sorry, that's past the 36,000 mile warranty. I said, oh, great, I have a 100,000 mile bumper to bumper. And they said, oh, no, sorry, calipers are wear and tear. <laughs> I but said, not, oh, not in the 36,000 miles? Not uh, under 36, it would have been covered. It's okay. Yeah. After 36, no. So guess what? I wrote a letter to Ford and I said, I'm at 37,800 when this happened. I'm 1,800 miles over. The right thing to do is to cover this. So after a letter and a couple of weeks, they agreed to cover it. Great. Okay. So then 5,000 miles later, my transmission starts knocking, shifting super hard. Whenever I press the gas and downshift, just boom, hard downshift. Okay. I bring it in. They check it out. Oh, yeah. Solenoids are gone. Transmission has to be replaced. Okay. Oh, luckily, that's in the warranty. Great. Fix it. Now, I'm at 60,000 miles. That was at 38,000 at that point. I think, I think it was. <coughs> I'm at 60,000 now, uh, three years in, and uh, my transmission starts knocking again. Same exact thing as last time. And I go to bring it into the dealership and, and say, hey, guys, this thing's having issues. Can you check it out? And they try and tell me <clears throat> that, sure, yeah, they'll check it out. But... If they don't find anything wrong with it, I have to pay $540. I said, so if you don't find anything wrong, I have to give you money. Yeah. I said, how the fuck does that work? Well, someone has to pay for the text time. I said, yeah, not me. And they said, oh, no, you do. I said, so let me get this straight. You're not going to check what's wrong with my car. Unless I agree to sign my name right here saying that I could possibly pay $500. Yeah, that's correct. I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and sign my name right here, and you're going to find out what's wrong with my car. And if you try and charge me a fucking dime if nothing's wrong with it, everyone here is going to have a really terrible fucking day. <laughs> and so here's my signature, and here's my phone number, and you can call me. And, oh, and also, my seat heater's broke. So, so check that out too. Driver's was side. that extra? Was that extra? That's, so hold on, dude. So check this shit out. So the driver's side uh, seat heater, both front, the back, and the bottom, both yeah. died. Both don't work. Three-year-old car, right? Crazy. Guess what? Guess what? Not covered under the warranty. What? I'm not kidding. Not covered under the... So the transmission, again now, for a second time, that'll be covered in the warranty. But the seat, okay, so, so she calls me up. Oh, yeah, 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 your seat heater is broken. Yeah, I know. It doesn't work. I told you that. Oh, okay, well, uh, it's going to be $200 for parts. Okay. And how much for labor? Oh, let me, let me check this out. It's $550. $550. $750 to replace the heating element in my fucking seat that they should just cover for free because it's only three years old and has 60,000 miles and I fucking bought it from them. So 
So suffice it to say, so now they have my car for a week while they order the parts and do whatever the fuck they're going to do. I have, luckily my, my warranty had a rental policy involved. Fix my shit. I get a rental. Um, so I, so I have a, a new, a big old truck out there, an F-150 that I'm driving around for the week, which is fine. That's great. But, but I just feel like I'm done with Ford. I'm definitely done with Bigfoot Ford. I, oh, let me also mention this. I just spent 2000 bucks there 10 days ago on brand new tires and brakes the whole way around. Wow. Yeah. So my car has all that. So, so I think I'm going to trade my car, actually. I think I'm done with Ford. I think I'm done with Bigford. Like, I'm really kind of fucking over this. I feel like I've been mistreated. I feel like Ford doesn't give a fuck. Like, Bigford Ford surely doesn't give a fuck. And the Ford Motor Company, the general over-fucking-parent company, definitely doesn't care. And so, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of over it. I mean, I not, hear you, man. That's not that crazy. any car That's company. Ridiculous. It's, it's crazy, right? It is because it's like cars should last for much longer than that. It's yes. not a cheap vehicle. Like it's like forty-two thousand dollar car. Exactly. Right. It's nuts, but it goes to the point. Like this is how they treat a customer. Can you imagine how they would treat a displaced employee? Exactly. <laughs> right. You're giving them money, and this is the this is so, how you get treated. We've actually seen how Ford treats displaced employees. Remember when they raped everyone's pension like 12 or 15 years ago? Yeah, Yeah, so we already know that they treat their workers very poorly. Uh, And now they're treating me poorly. And so, uh, dude, also, I should should also mention to you, this is actually my third Ford from that dealership. I actually had a 2013 Explorer and a 2012, uh, what's their little focus? And then, and then... I got divorced, and she took that Explorer, and I had the Focus, and then I traded my Focus for this Explorer. Three cars in five years from that dealership. What is it? No, no. More than that now. What? Six, seven, seven years. Three cars in seven years from that dealership. All the money I've spent, like, and this is how I get treated, dude. Yeah, like, no doubt. How, how crazy is that? Yeah. Brutal. So yeah, my brand- department is for them. Brand loyalty is largely dead. It people is. People just keep cutting corners, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's sad, man. So today I say a big fuck you to Ford and to <laughs> Bigfoot Ford more specifically. Um, I think I'm done with you guys. You've lost my business. Yeah, I'd say it's time to move on. What should I get, Ken? What should my next car be? So yeah, you probably want another SUV, right? You like to go to the mountains. You like I to do. ski. You like to do uh, even in the summer and do some sort of hiking and camping and stuff like that. So I need that space. I'm always packing stuff. So I need an SUV or a truck or something. Yeah, no, I hear you. But it's just like, seems like there's no good brands these days. Like even like luxury brands break down too right. late. Too and, and it just costs twice as, twice as much to fix. Totally. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I don't know. But Maybe I'll give Chevy a try. Maybe I'll say like the biggest fuck you to Ford and go to their biggest competitor. Better, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that could be, good. Go. could be good. All right. Well, guys, that's our time for this week. Thanks so much for joining us for episode five of the Just So You Know podcast. Do us a favor. Subscribe to the podcast, whether that's on YouTube, whether that's on iOS, wherever you are. We're on all the platforms now. Go ahead and subscribe. We got a website coming soon. Keep an eye out for that. 
follow us on Twitter. We'll put some links in the description. And if you guys have topics that you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, please go ahead and let us know. We would love your suggestions. We would love to talk. I don't know what that was. <laughs> that's, I don't know. Sorry about that, guys. Anyways, that's our time for today. Thanks. Much love. Peace.